Good day, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio, jamming out. This song is just making me laugh. You like it? Well, it's definitely a, a, a new turn for the music selection. I like it. It's a good intro. Yeah. Hope you guys are having up. a good day. Thanks for listening to the show on the podcast, wherever you are, or on uh, the radio, KLFT Radio 90.5 here in Acadiana. And uh, it's great to be in the studio with you, Adam. How's it going? It's going great. It's a it's a good time of year. Fall weather is is just magical in Louisiana. Yeah, whatever. We have fall weather for a day, and then it gets hot again. So but I mean, at least magical. we had it for a couple of days. It was great. I I did two <laughs> separate fires this past weekend. Wow. With marshmallows. Like I could I can tell by your personality that you're like a premature fire guy, and. Okay. Premature fire guy. Yeah, yeah. Like you, what does you that really mean? can't have a fire until it actually gets cold. Adam, it was in the in the eighties, the seventies, and we just got it excited. Got down to like sixty, at, at and night. I think it's great. What yeah. I'm saying is, everyone has different philosophies. That's true. Well, for me, the main thing is, um, when can I provide my kids burnt, you know, toasted marshmallows? They're looking forward to it. Like the first time we have a fire, is like is like a holiday. Every year, you know, the first fall fire. Right. So you're right. I guess I am a little premature. Like Christmas starts earlier and earlier every Sounds year. Sounds like you overreacted to oh. the fall weather. I mean, it was hard to underreact because it was so exciting. Yeah. Well, and do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? I do. You um, actually have one today. Yeah. <laughs> and you're it so excited about it. So excited. So... <laughs> So an an Iowa man may have overreacted. Oh, speaking when he didn't get his sauce for his chicken McNuggets. <laughs> so what did he do? Well, he was at McDonald's, and uh, he ordered his McNuggets. Now you say he may have, or you? Well, I mean, I'm not going to judge him. Oh, you're not, not. going to judge him. <laughs> okay, but um, can I judge him? Sure. So he orders his McNuggets, and it doesn't come with the sauce that he had specifically requested. Oh, it's important. And he got upset. Mm. And so um, he allegedly threatened to blow up the restaurant and punch an employee mm. over the sauce. Mm. And uh, he was 42 years old. He was? Yes. Or is? Now, well, he's, I guess he still is. <laughs> <laughs> now, so he, he's escorted out. Yep. But he calls back. He does. And he threatens. Ooh. And uh, that's not okay, apparently. So he was arrested. Um, on Saturday night, and charged with a felony charge of making a false report of an explosive, um, saying that he he had put a bomb in the restaurant while he was wow, there. That's, you know, I could see how you might suggest that that's an overreaction, but I, you know, I don't know. I mean, sauce is important, Adam. I mean, mm -hmm. like sauce is really important. <laughs> I get it. I mean, and when you don't get your sauce, support. here's the great thing about this, right? Is that this guy, whoever he is in Iowa. He's having a you know a tough day. Um, he has potential for sainthood. He does. I mean, there is some, there is everyone for sainthood, but there's there's potential in this guy for sainthood. And let me explain that. Okay, okay real please quick. do. Okay, so this week we are going to celebrate Saint Jerome. Uh huh. One of the great. That does sound like a Jerome. Yeah, one, one of the <laughs> the great scholars of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a big dude. 
big guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, way back, though, to the 300s. But, you know, history tradition tells us that Jerome, not only an intense scripture scholar, actually struggled with having a really bad temper. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if Jerome, St. <laughs> Jerome, was mad about sauce. He didn't get, you know, stuff for, like, his his lamb chops <laughs> or whatever. Well, he certainly got mad about doctrinal issues, and he, he fussed people. He fussed, like, Augustine and fussed the Pope, and I mean, he was fussy. Yeah, well, he was really passionate. St. Jerome, we celebrate this week, by the way, so if you're listening, um, is a really great saint to read about. Um, but he was really passionate about false teaching, mm-hmm. um, and he would come after people who taught against the teachings of the church, or orthodoxy, the doctrine of the church. And particularly, he was a scripture scholar. I mean, he knew Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, I mean, Latin, all the things. He translated the scriptures. Uh, he, you know, was... Uh, scripture scholar, and he's one that's actually quoted as saying, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. That was him. I mean, talk about a, a, a one-liner there, you know? That is a pretty resounding one-liner throughout the centuries. Yeah, and I think that's really important for us, particularly as Catholics, is, you know, <clears throat> if, you, if you know any tradition, you know, or history, okay— and you just take take out the word church. You listen just history in itself, and you study the history of Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament. It was um, you know Catholic scholars, monks, Saint Jerome's who <laughs> wrote it, who wrote mm-hmm. the Scripture, who translated it all. You know, and so um, you know Scripture is, is at the heart of the church. It is the it is the base foundation of all its teaching, everything, you know. And so when Jerome says ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ, like he's talking to all of us, like he's slinging those arrows in a sense that, like, as Catholics, like, we should be immersed in Scripture. We should long to learn it and and have it influence our life in every way, shape, and form. And it was not rare at the time in the sense of completely unheard of, but as you mentioned, this was before the printing press, and so the way that Bibles were handed on from one generation to the next is that they were literally written by hand. And St. Jerome was one of those that memorized the entire Scriptures. All of it. So he could tell you literally every book from memory. And this is how much he loved the Scriptures, because he loved Christ, right? Like, we don't, don't, um, you know, like the Catechism says, we're not a religion of the book, you know, it's not like our goal is to memorize and propagate um, wisdom contained in a book that's like, you know, literature. But the wisdom that this book contains is a person. I mean, it's Jesus Christ himself, um, the Word made flesh, and revealed to us in sick, within the pages of Scripture. So we're not, it's not a dead letter, in other words. It's a living Word, and it's very unique. And you know, I, f- I find it unfortunate, Paul, when you, we hear people talk about other books as like that Bible. So, for example, um, you know, the Quran is the Muslim Bible, people might say, or, or like, um, you know, the uh, this book is like the Mechanics Bible or whatever. 
But the reality is God did something completely unique in world history and for the rest of time in the scriptures, because only our scriptures contain God himself. You can encounter God in the scriptures. And that's not, it's not like we're just collecting all of our best teachings and greatest hits and putting in a book. We're collecting what God has inspired to be written down so that he can encounter his people and reveal himself to his people. And that's unprecedented. There's no other book like it. Absolutely. It says this, um, Jerome's love for God and his son Jesus was extraordinarily intense. He was a very intense saint. Like his, he was very focused on Christ and his love for Christ. However, anyone who taught error was an enemy of God and truth, and St. Jerome went after him or her with his with his mighty and sometimes sarcastic pen. So he wasn't afraid to address controversy um, or heresy, and because of his knowledge... Now, if you, if you ever study anything, so anyone, like you, you've... We've all been in school in some way, shape, or form, right? Like, you, you can look at it and you read it and kind of study your notes, right? Mm-hmm. A better way to actually learn it is to rewrite your notes so you you look at your notes you study and then you rewrite your notes you learn it again a better way to learn something is to not only rewrite your notes but to rewrite it and translate it into another language Mm -hmm. okay so that's how deep the knowledge of saint jerome is that he would (laughs) you read scripture then he would write scripture then he would translate it and then he would write it into another language. Like So he did that through the whole scripture. Now, when you do that over and over again, the word of God becomes a part of your, your, your DNA, like your language, like in your mind, like his ability to know and learn and, and remember scripture was a part of, a part of him. Like he is the saint of, of, you know, the holy word of God. Yeah, he is our scripture scholar. I think you're bringing up something important. I mean, a lot of... Um, Catholics recently in decades, uh, past few decades, but when we poo-poo on Latin in the in the church, um, first of all, Jerome gave us the Latin Bible, right. and it's not because it was some distant, archaic language, but it was the language people spoke, and so it was called the Vulgate, which means vulgar, as in like popular. So this is the language people speak. So the gift he gave to the world was to have scriptures in a language that they actually spoke in and could understand. Um, and we do the same thing in the 20th century. So we've taken our scriptures and translated them to every language on earth so that the people can, can have access to them. And we've done that to our liturgy, sure. But there's something about what you just described, which is having to translate the Word of God, where... In translating, I have to ask myself, what does this mean? Right. It's a very meditative act, you know, for me to say, what does this mean enough to where I could put it in another language? And so our, our church's prayers in Latin, you know, our, our official language will always be Latin, thanks to the work of Jerome and others that gave us scriptures in Latin, and we write our texts in Latin. Because when we read the Latin or encounter it, we have to ask ourselves, what does this mean? And that's the whole point of meditation is to ask that, that question with the Holy Spirit's guidance, like, what does this mean? And there's a value to, you know, translating or have to wrestle with another language. And the Word of God is not supposed to be easy. It's, we're supposed to wrestle with it and tangle with it. Yeah, it's really difficult for me. And look, um, this should not uh, distract anyone from reading Scripture. Okay, uh, like, for all of us believers, all of us Christians, all of us Catholics, we should have a Bible and we should read it. You know, the great thing about 
um, most Bibles, most Catholic Bibles, is there's really good footnotes. There's really good, you know, um, s- sort of indexes and, and footnotes to help us kind of understand, you know, instead of just reading it and just self-interpreting, right? And that's the beauty of our faith is that we don't have to self-interpret Scripture. It always frustrates me when I hear someone speaking on Scripture or quoting it, and and they don't know what they're what it means, mm-hmm. right? And and that's okay. I'm not saying that it's it's unintentional or or it's intentional. I'm just saying that there's much more there, you know. So if I'm ever planning on talking, and look, I'm not a Scripture scholar, and nor am I'm a language scholar, but I have reverence for the Word, the sacred the sacred Scripture. In the sense of, if I'm going to speak on, or even read, or study, or pray with this the scripture, I want to understand it, you know, as mm-hmm. best I can. Now, I don't know Latin, and I don't know Greek or Hebrew. Neither do you, mm-hmm. right? But we know enough through our studies, you know, our master's degrees, to know how to look up what things mean and kind of dive a little bit deeper into the text, right? Like what is the original translation of this word or this meaning in the Latin or the Greek or the Hebrew? Not so much to like kind of get stuck in the weeds of like, you know, this this deep study, but to help me understand fully what the scripture is saying, what it means, you know. And the beauty is that I don't have to do that on my own. The church is <laughs> spent thousands of years doing that, right? Mm. Which is also frustrating. Sorry, I'm going on a little, you know, overreaction. You're going all McNugget on us. I'm going all saucy McNugget <laughs> on you. Like St. Jerome, you know, he, he got saucy McNugget on people, oh, yeah. man. I mean, he overreacted. <laughs> and uh, the uh, I think it's, you know, it's frustrating that, you know, Jesus, the the... Sacred Scripture starts with Jesus, right, and His mm-hmm. Word, and um, it, the Church had the canon of Scripture for fifteen hundred years, and then you know all of a sudden, like a few few books were like plucked out of it, you know, with the Protestant version of 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 Sacred Scripture, and that's frustrating because it's like no, like there's so much more there, you know, that we as people of God have that we shouldn't just like pick and choose what we want. Like the church has spent so much time studying and interpreting that we have the richness of the faith right at our fingertips to dive into. Yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because there, we do live in a time where it's possible and even likely that we tailor a a Christian life like we want. And the scriptures are no exception. In fact, that's probably a great example because there's so many translations, I would say non-Catholic translations tend to this, where the goal is not necessarily to be true to the text, which, remember, the text contains Jesus, right? Like, we're not talking about just the way some old people wrote it a long time ago. We're talking about how God wants to speak to his people now. But some translations are so far removed from the original that it's different ideas, and in fact, different teachings, different doctrines. But people will actually prefer them because of the way it makes us feel or the way, you know. 
and this is so dangerous. And I think Jerome would be furious about this. He would go to Barnes and Noble, just start throwing stuff around, like <laughs> New Living Translation. He's throwing no. <laughs> McNugget sauce at people. Yeah. Saucy McNuggets. But not for his love for scholarship, but for his love for Christ would motivate that in him. Right, because right, the further and further you get away from the actual interpretation of the Scripture, who is Jesus, right? The revelation of Christ, the revelation of the truth of God, then we begin to dilute the truth, right? Mm-hmm. We're diluting the further and further down or further and further away we, we get. You know, so we're watering it down to these simple, you know, sort of translations and versions. And I don't know, like, you know, years ago, there was actually sort of this, um, they were coming out with versions of scripture for like different cultures, mm. but like more like, you know, inner city language, right? urban language Bibles. Like instead of amen, amen, I say to you, it's like, listen up. Listen up, bros. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, at first, people were like, oh, this is so great. Like, you know, this is the way that people can understand it. And I started thinking, like, wait, what is going on? <laughs> like, you know, like, we're, we're just further and further diluting this, this great, you know, living, breathing text that, that gives us, you know, the truth of Christ. And so, and I'm not saying any of those things had bad intentions. I just think people just didn't know, like, you know, like, you know, it's just sort of like, hey, I'm just going to make up what to do. I'm just going to do it, you know, with with no, you know. Jerome would, thank God Jerome lived when he did, because I think he would go nuts. He would be behind <laughs> bars, I'm sure, for like, you know, coming after people, you know. But Yeah. Well, I, today we do things like that because we, we put such an emphasis on time and place, you know, like, for example, the writers of these scriptures, well, they're all from a particular part of the world with a particular experience, but we're in a different part of the world at a different time. We have our own experience, and we need to speak to now. We need to speak to our culture. We need to speak to our place. But we forget that God, who's outside of every time and space and culture, comes into the world in the fullness of time, and He is He's bigger than all that. And we're not saved because God conforms to us, or His Word conforms to our words. We're saved because we get the opportunity through salvation in Jesus Christ to conform to Him, to have our lives conform to His Word. And when we try the other way around to conform God's Word to us and our experience and and everything else, then not only do we dilute God's Word, but we don't we don't receive it. You know, we're not being we're not receiving God's revelation. We're receiving some strange version of it that actually has no power to save. Yeah. So the great news is that the power of God is alive in Scripture, sacred Scripture. We read it at Mass. I mean, that's that's God is fully present in the readings, and that's awesome. St. Jerome, we just pray for his, you know, intercession for us to, to dive into the Word because it's beautiful. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about how just, like, for us in the everyday, can we pray with Scripture? Like, it can become a part of our life in a real and active way. All right, it's Paul and Deacon Adam. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. 
Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Kong in studio. It's fall, and we're happy. But apparently we can't get too happy. Okay, so one of the things, if you're not from Louisiana, you're listening on the podcast. For those of you who are listening locally on KLFT Radio, you kind of know this conversation in Louisiana. I mean, this is like, there's certain debates that happen every year on the same topics. Around Lent, it's like, can you eat alligator? Is it is it meat or not? Now, listen. Nowhere else in the country or the world in Lent does that conversation even like happen because it's not even like a frame of reference. Okay. Here's another one in fall that happens only here. And it's this. How soon can you cook gumbo? Mm -hmm. When's too soon to have a gumbo and when's too late? to have your first gumbo that every fall there's this debate and we were having it in our house last night because somebody wanted a gumbo and i'm like not yet it's not gonna but happen i can guarantee you you are an early gumbo eater well it's my prediction that's a I, I i could see how you would predict that that makes sense however I tend to be a late gumbo eater, really? not because I'm not in the mood for gumbo. Early fire starter, late gumbo eater? But it takes me a while to actually get my stuff together to make the gumbo. So, like, I'll probably make my first one in November. Okay. All right. I got some a new respect for you. But here's, but here's the thing. If you wait till November or December, people will tell you. Like, if, you say, if I say, oh, I made my first gumbo of the season last night, they'll say, really? You'll get it. You'll get ridiculed. That's fine. I know. There's a debate. It's a great divide here, by the way. So if you're listening, when do you cook your first gumbo? Here's what I tell people is that you don't realize that February is our coldest, rainiest month. And if you start your gumbos too early in October, by the time you get to February, you're tired of it. Tired of it. And you don't want it, but you need it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. So when do you start the gumbos? After the first freeze. That's really late. No, you can get a freeze and, you know, a little frost. A little like December. After your first frost, yeah. That's just my, but I would say not before Thanksgiving. Okay. But that's November, by the way. So anyway, it, you know, people will get arrested over gumbo around here. <laughs> I mean, this guy in Iowa no, true. over chicken nuggets. But, like, you mess with someone's <laughs> gumbo here, they, they might start throwing some rue. Kale in my gumbo. Yeah, you can't do that. No, there's no such thing actually so anyway um but we were talking about scripture sacred scripture and and for all of us listening part of the show i mean like we should all have a bible and we should all read it and we should all dive into the word of god and this is not something that should be foreign to us it shouldn't be like wait i I should have a bible and, and read it Absolutely, right? And the Word of God is something that we hear at every Mass every day. If you go to Mass every day for three years, for the most part, you're going to have a a walk through the whole Bible of Scripture, Old Testament, Psalms, and New Testament uh, in in three years. Like So you may not even know 
how much you are in touch with sacred scripture just by going to mass and being Catholic in that way. But to have a Bible and to pray with it, and a lot of people, a lot of times, are like, well, I don't know what to read, where to start, or how to even read or pray with scripture. You know, I hear that mm-hmm. a lot. I'm sure you do. Oh yeah, as well. And you know, the one of the one of the things I tell people is, first of all, if you're going to begin to read scripture, start in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And if you're and starting in the New Testament, start with the Gospels. Start with the life of Christ. It's the thing that's going to really speak to you and me the most, and it, and it's going to be the thing that where you really read the life of Christ. Jesus becomes real and very present in our lives. You know, so start there. They're not really hard to read or interpret because a lot of it's parables or stories or Jesus teaching all within the Gospels, right? And it's actually one of the best places to start praying with Scripture, and praying with the gospel readings, praying with with a story of Jesus. And uh, you know, speaking of Latin, one of the 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 prayers for praying with Scripture is a thing that you and I know. People have heard of Lexio Divina, right? Mm-hmm. The word Lexio Divina meaning divine reading in the Latin. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know. Interest is a powerful thing, human interest. Like we, when we're interested in something, we direct all of our life toward that thing. Like our our mental powers, our emotional powers are like, we start to direct our life to the thing we're interested in. And for a lot of folks, when they pick up scripture um, and start from the beginning, reading on, they they die out around, you know, Leviticus-ish because we start to lose interest interest and one of the reasons we lose interest is that it seems so far removed from our own life you know um that we don't feel like learning hard names hard places or hard ideas whatever but what you're describing is exactly right like if you're going to dive into scripture you have to invest in your interest in scripture which the only valuable interest in scripture would makes the whole thing interesting is Jesus, my relationship with him. And so if, if I read the Gospels with Lexio Divina in mind, that I'm, I'm reading it in a prayerful way, where through these words and through these events that I'm reading about, through these teachings, I'm encountering Christ in a meaningful way, now I'm interested to learn more about him. So that when I read the last page of the last chapter of John, and I've, I've read through the Gospels, I've gone through a process that has made me interested in Jesus in a new way, and then I can approach the rest of the scriptures with this encounter with Christ that makes me interested in this, you know, ancient culture with lots of strange things I need to learn about. But I'll do it because I love Jesus and I've met him in in the Gospels. Yeah, and you said earlier, you know, the Gospels, the sacred scripture is, you know, it's a living word, not a dead letter, right? It's a living the Holy Spirit speaks and is active, and the Word of God convicts me. It helps me to steer the ship in the right direction in my life and to order me towards God and towards relationship with God. And that's an active thing. A relationship with God is an active thing. It, it's an everyday thing, just like any other relationship, you know. So Lexio, uh, you know, meaning, you know, word or reading, mm-hmm. divina, divine, divine reading uh, in the Latin. I mean, praying with Scripture predates 
Christianity. I mean, you go you can go back all the way. The Jewish culture of meditating on the Psalms and this idea of really soaking your life into meditating the 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 Old Testament Psalms, right? Like reading mm-hmm. through the Psalms and praying with those, and we can still do that today. I mean, you're talking about thousands of years, right? How cool mm-hmm. is this? And the idea, like Saint Benedict, uh, you know, Saint Benedict. Uh, in his rule, talked about praying and meditating with the scripture, um, and so lexio reading is is a in a sense a a slow repetitious recitation of a short passage of scripture, looking on holy scripture with one's will and wit, like really, you know, Father Champagne would say marinating, you know, mm-hmm. like really marinating in the scripture, reading it slowly, having a reverence for it, but believing that it's it's alive and active today. Yeah, and so that first step of Lexio Divina, the Lexio step, is, like you said, that slow reading. Because what happens when you read, especially, particularly the Gospels, <clears throat> when you read slowly, um, so not a huge chunk, but like a little bit at a time, something does strike you as interesting. So we're talking about interest before, but like something strikes you as odd or um, convicts you of something, or you want to learn more about it. Like there's some something that's going to stand out to you, that's very small. So it's something Jesus said or did, or a way someone reacted to the Lord that you don't quite understand. Like why would, or something that just resonates with you. Like that would be me. You know, I would be Saint Peter for sure. So when we read slowly with enough time, and that's the thing about Lexio Divina, it can't be, it can't be. There can't be a sense of rushing through. For it to actually work, just like in, a, in any relationship we have. Like if I sit down to have coffee with my wife and she gets a sense from me of checking my watch and my phone, I'm like, all right, I got five minutes to do this, so tell me, tell me. Right. Well, then I ruin the whole thing, right? It's a relational feel, and that's what it has to be with scriptures. Like I can't sit down in Lexio Divina um, with my watch out, you know. I, I have to enter into God's time at the, at the moment. And I have to read it slowly and let God slow me down and then let him show me what he wants to tell me more about by what interests me in what I just read. Absolutely. It's really hard for me, you know, my prayer time to get anything out of prayer or really settle into prayer, you know, if it's just I have five or ten minutes, you Mm -hmm. know. And look, if you're a very new prayer and you're just learning to have a rhythm of prayer, I'm not saying five or ten minutes is a bad thing. Like, if that's what you have, give it. But really kind of beginning to grow in this art of meditation and Scripture and, like, really sitting with the Lord, you know, i got to have at least 30 minutes carved out, Yeah. you know, and 20 minutes of those are getting rid of the distractions, and 10 minutes of those <laughs> are finally just sitting in peace, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because our lives are, are crazy. So I have found that to be the case in a lot of people I've talked to in my own life. But, you know, with the Lexio portion of this, there's four steps to, you know, Lexio Divina Prayer. You know, the first, the reading, you read it slowly. You kind of imagine yourself in the scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you would say, take a take a passage of uh, Nathaniel sitting under the tree and Jesus sees him. And, you know, Jesus and Nathaniel have this interaction and, you know, Nathaniel says, you know, how do you know me? He says, I, I saw you sitting under the tree. And there's just this beautiful kind of story. It's simple. There's nothing complicated about it. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of Greek or Latin you need to know. Like, the story is the story. 
And you just kind of read it slowly and kind of find yourself in the scripture. You kind of place yourself, where am I? Am mm-hmm. I a bystander? Am I Nathaniel? Am I, you know, where am I? One of the disciples kind of, you know, where, where am I in this, in this scene? And just kind of sit with it. And then you move into the meditation por- portion, um, meditatio, you know, in the Latin, um, it's it's an effort to understand the passage and apply it to, to my own life, like to kind of dive a little bit deeper. And so you read the passage slowly again, open yourself to the Holy Spirit, just asking the Holy Spirit to, to be with you. Uh, pay attention to a word or phrase that strikes you. Um, you may want to underline it or circle it, how God is speaking to you in this word or phrase. So you, you kind of really look at the text, like what is the word of God? What is Jesus saying you know, so when Jesus says to Nathaniel, um, I saw you sitting under the tree. You know, I remember praying with a scripture and this idea of I saw you, like Jesus seeing me. You know, and I remember it being a real season of my life where it just felt distant from God. And that word just drew me in, right? That It became real, real. The Jesus was speaking to me specifically in my prayer time through that. You know, so mm-hmm. just as an example, you kind of go through the text What's God saying to you? What's the word or the image that's really speaking to you in this in this passage? Yeah, and I think it's important to do what you just described, which is you get it down to a word or a phrase, so not a, a big chunk. So the idea of Jesus saw him, that's a phrase. That's one idea. Meditation is like spiritual digestion of God's word. Mm-hmm. Okay, So if you have too much, if you bite off more than you can digest, you're not going to be able to break it down enough. Um, to actually have it nourish your soul. So to re- we get down to baby food in meditation. You have to get down to something you can actually digest, um, a word or a phrase. And once you get that, then there is a powerful moment. And one of the reasons it's a living word is that when Jesus saw Nathaniel, he also saw, being God, everybody who would ever meditate on this passage. Mm. So when he s- talks to Nathaniel... God, who is man, has in mind everyone he's going to talk to through this passage. Mm. You know, and so this is a living word where God literally speaks to me by speaking to Nathaniel, not just, you know, it's not, it's not an analogy. That's a real thing. That when he saw him under the tree, he saw Paul and he saw me and he spoke. And now the word that he spoke to Nathaniel for me is now going to be spoken to me in prayer. That's meditation, where we receive, we digest what God is saying to me by saying what he said 2,000 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And we just sit in that, and then we move into what we call a a ratio, which in Latin is prayer, right? Mm. And this is engaging in the conversation with God, like, wow, Lord, like, what are you saying to me with this, I see you? Like, what have a conversation with God about what's popping up to you in Scripture, what word or phrase or image is coming to you, and and God wanting to have this conversation with you around that. So begin to just have this one-on-one conversation with God in prayer. You know, you can read the passage again slowly. Let the words be your prayer. You know, allow the words to be a response to God in particular maybe to the situation in your life that he's speaking to, because we're all different. We're all dealing with different things. And just pause, write it down, pray, just sit in that, in that time with the Lord. Do you remember the uh, Emmy winning show Saved by the Bell? 
Yeah, definitely, definitely a award winner. Multiple award winner. Well, uh, the main character, Zach Morris, had this amazing ability that right. in the midst of the action of what's going I on. can't wait to see where this could, is going. He could say, time out. Do you remember this? Oh, and, and everything would pause. Everything would freeze. Mm -hmm. Now, people would do their best. The actors would do their best to stay still. Some were better at it than others. But he would say, pause, and then start to talk to the camera. Uh, remember that? Okay. About yep. what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then he would say, time in, and they'd keep going. Yes. I remember, remember this? And this was like state-of-the-art. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is an image of Orazio, this 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 moment because the meditation you're thinking about what's happening in the scene and imagining yourself in it and you're starting to understand what's what's happening there and there's a moment where you hit the time out and begin to dialogue with God directly dialogue with Jesus right so meditation you're kind of watching the scene unfold and maybe God will talk to you in the scene but as another character or as, as, you know, as Peter, as Nathaniel, whatever. And then there's this moment in your heart that just naturally happens, that when you start to get it, like, oh, Jesus, that's what that meant, there's a timeout that takes place, and now the conversation is, isn't even about the Scripture passage anymore. And that's, that's the really the goal of that oratio, is that you've, you've encountered God words in, God's Word in meditation so profoundly that you've now turned to Him. It's like Zach turning to the camera, and let's just talk directly. Right. And what what happened in scripture is is kind of like it's not it's not the focus anymore. But what you're saying to me right now is, and you have that dialogue one on one with the Lord, that is so profound and necessary. Yeah, and that dialogue is just simple with the Lord. You know, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Sometimes it's a better conversation than others, just like you have with, with a good friend or a spouse, right? Like sometimes it's a great deep conversation sometimes it's just how was your day you know like mm -hmm. but that conversation that prayer ratio leads us into contemplation just to be face to face with the lord and to sit in the presence of god and just allow him to to just speak to our heart right and that's the last sort of step to lexio divina prayer is allowing oneself just to absorb in the words of god as the Holy Spirit draws us into the presence, his presence through scripture, right? And, uh, you know, we can le read the scripture one last time. We can just sit with the Lord and just, uh, and just be in his presence. Like, and that's the beauty of falling in love is that sometimes being in love is, is the beauty of it is just being in the presence of the person that you love. You don't always have to be doing something, you know? And I mm -hmm. think, you know, we always feel like we have to accomplish something and be doing something. Getting into, compl uh, you know, contemplation and prayer is just being with the lover, you know? Yeah. Just just being there, you know? And uh, <clears throat> and that's that's the beauty of it. And then you just just sit, you know, and, until that, that time kind of ends, you know? And, and then maybe you end your prayer with an Our Father or Hail Mary or Glory Be or you know, something like that. And, and then, you know, you, before you know, you just had this really engaging prayer time very simply with, with sacred scripture. Yeah, I love the word contemplate. Um, so like, it con and temple. So a temple is a dwelling. So like, same root for tent, you know, something you dwell in. And so a temple is where God dwells, right? So, and con is with. So it's, it's simply just dwelling with God. 
this idea of contemplation. Like you said, you're just with the person. And, you know, remember our Lord in the book of Revelation says, Behold, I make all things new. Here's the benefit of contemplation, all right? Our love for the Lord is renewed most in contemplative prayer because contemplative prayer, just being in his presence, rekindles that that spark in us, that love that we have for him, our awe and wonder in his presence. It rekindles that. Now, that doesn't mean it's butterflies and, and rainbows all the time. Like we, Even in contemplative prayer, you can feel dry. You know, you know God's present to you. You know that you're dwelling with him, but you might not feel that presence. But the point of it is it keeps us rooted in God in our first love in a way that other prayer does not. When I, when I ask God for things in, in petitionary prayer, that's important. And when I meditate on Scripture, that's important too, that I understand the Scriptures and that, you know, all that. But the end of it all has to be this moment of contemplation where I'm just going to simply love the Lord and He's going to love me back. And that's all it's going to be. Spouses need this with each other for sure, because if you're missing that element of simply enjoying being together, you're going to lose that first love. You're going to feel that distance. You're going to look back and say, oh, we aren't as connected as we used to be. Same thing with God. It's contemplation that fuels and, and strengthens that connection more than any other prayer. And contemplation through Scripture is so powerful. When we encounter God's Word, reading it, Lexio, meditating on it in little bites, meditatio, dialoguing with him about it in oratio, to then get to a point of awe and wonder in his presence and contemplation. Um, it's so necessary for the Christian to not lose that first love of the Lord. Yeah, and I would encourage all of us, and if you're listening, is to begin to integrate Scripture into your prayer prayer life. It, you know, um, and... Um, you know, some type of holy reading or saint book or, you know, some type thing that's ordering you to, to a living relationship with the Lord and an active conversation that leads to this contemplation and really self, you know, uh, just knowing yourself better through through Christ and where he's calling you and, and, and loving you, you know. So it's really hard to have a prayer life that is just like, you know, there's there's nothing that's that's ordering you or pointing you to, you know, the word, right, and to his voice, right? Where you're just like, I'm just basically, you know, asking God for things. That's my prayer life, you know, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. They go to prayer and they're just like, Lord, help me with today. I'm praying for my family, my kids, and, and that's all good. But the whole time, like the Lord's like, I got more for you. And that's the more that we want and desire is to really sit with the Lord and, and be in his presence. And this is very simple, you know, and, and sacred scripture is right there for us to read and, and to chew on. So not only can we pray with it, but then we can also like read it and study it, you know, mm -hmm. and learn more about it. That's the beauty of scripture is that certainly we can pray with the gospel readings, but we can read all of scripture. And there's so many resources to help us understand and interpret scripture that we, I, we don't have to sit back and be like, I don't know what this means. Well, look, we live in a day and an age where we have all the resources at our fingertips to say, you know, what was God saying in, you know, the book of Genesis when, you know, and the creation story, like what, what is going on? There's so many resources, Catholic resources, to help us interpret that, you know, mm. what, you know, what is, 
you know, what was, you know, the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes or what, you know, you're reading it. You're like, I don't know. What did Jesus mean? There, there, it's all there. And that's the beauty of it. If you want to even dive more into scripture and learn more about it, you don't have to self-interpret or make it up or figure it out or be a scripture scholar. You know, back in the day with St. Jerome is there weren't many people who could read mm. or write much less no other languages. And so like his scholarly gift was one that was so esteemed because no one else could do it. You know, <laughs> they're very little. And, and so we, we sit in a time in history where we um, have access to all these great saints and scholars and their work. It's right here, you know, for us. And that's awesome. Yeah, and, and again, why would we do this? And to bring it full circle, because ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Yeah. That's why we do it. Absolutely. For us, all as Christians, to die more into Scripture just helps to know Christ better in our life and to help bring him to other people in the world. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for being a part of the show, for listening in. Feel free to share the show on the podcast, um, wherever you are. And uh, thanks for everyone listening on the radio here in Acadiana. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. And look, I mean, I don't... Have you ever gotten really mad in a drive-thru or like... Yeah. Especially when, you know, you got a van full of like eight kids, they're starving and yelling and, you know, then they get your order wrong and half the kids didn't get their food. I mean, I'm sure there's stressful times. So anybody who's gone through a drive-thru with a large vehicle with people in it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But they do this thing... So they're timed to give you the food, okay? So part of their performance is that can they get you the food on time? Right. And there's video cameras watching this, right? Right. So what they do with large orders, which for my family, every order is a large order. Right. Is they say, hey, can you pull up? Can you pull up over there? And you just know it's coming, right? Inevitably, saying yes to this and being polite and nice means that you will wait 45 minutes to get what they just said. So do you say, I'm staying here? So what we've learned is that if you just say, mm, no thanks, last time I did that, it took almost an hour to get my food. Ooh, Somehow, they hour. get it to you in like three minutes after that like, oh, statement. That's a, that's a great... <laughs> look, you've, you've learned... That's a hack. You guys have just learned a big family hack. Don't let them pressure you. Don't let them pressure you. Because <laughs> they're doing it to get you out of their camera. Oh, so they don't get in trouble. Get you out of the camera. Because if they take thirty minutes to get you their food, they're gonna be in trouble. Gotcha. Right. So there's no proof if you're out of the camera view. Right. Little mm. little uh, large family hack. There. That is a that is a great hack, dude. I did not know that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I've I've never gotten really furious in uh you know, but I'm I'm not I just kind of have great compassion for like people in, that work oh, yeah. in the fast food industry. Yeah. If I get the wrong sauce or whatever, I'm just like I'm cool. You know, I'm mm-hmm. fine. Like look, you know, if it's that big of a deal to me, I'll just go inside and get so it. So no bomb threats from you? No, 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 no. Not not lately. <laughs> not lately. Enough going on in my life to be mad at some poor worker in the drive through window. Mm-hmm. You know. All right. So anyway, great discussion. Why don't we uh, do a quick six-pack of questions? Question. Question number one. Ooh. So we, we talked about... Um, a man, 42-year-old man in Iowa, just overreacting to mm-hmm. getting no sauce or the wrong sauce. Overreacting. Not just there, but in life in yeah. general. We, we can overreact. Can you tell me about a pretty funny time that you have overreacted to something? You know what's the worst is when you overreact to something, but you got it wrong. Oh, yeah. And you overreacted, and they're like... You got to walk it back. Yeah, they're like, that's not actually what happened. You're like, oh, wait, I just overreacted for, <laughs> for no reason. You know, I overreacted the other night, actually. Okay. I got to be honest. So <laughs> Gretchen and I went on a just a short date. So we would grab a quick bite of food, and it was beautiful fall weather. It was a night, a little Mexican restaurant, cheap date. And we're going to, like, share fajitas, you know, walk out of there with, like, $20 bill. It's great. No people in the restaurant. There's like 18 servers there. There's like five people at tables, okay? And they have this great patio that's right outside the front door. And there's like you know, a bunch of servers who are just standing around because there's not enough people in there. And so I just asked, can we sit outside? It's beautiful weather. And, and the woman was like, no, we don't have – we can't do that. There's no server. And I was like – I didn't overreact, but I was very sarcastic. I was like, wait – this table is five feet from the table inside, and we can't sit right here? Like, no, we don't have anybody to come out here. I'm like, there are eight people, I'm counting, standing right there, just looking at us. They can't just walk right here? She's like, no, they just can't walk right there. I was like, this makes no sense right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a little McNugget sauce. It was a Mc, nice. McNugget sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Question number two. Um, so St. Jerome, we talked about his love for Scripture that, and his love for God and Christ, that sometimes it was pretty intense, you know? So an, in, an intense person became a saint, which is great hope for a lot of intense people. Um, but sometimes being a little too intense about the faith can, can be an issue. So I, I'd love to hear about your experience, because you've worked with a lot of people, even one-on-one, on kind of working through their faith and how to live it in their life. Um, what are some signs that maybe I'm like, a little too intense in in the way I'm approaching things in in my faith journey. There are a lot of people who have turned people away from the faith because they have come at them. They have been intense or too intense, and they've just completely turned from Jesus, which is horrible. You know, and we have an opportunity to help save someone, to help bring someone to salvation in Christ. Um, and so, if our intensity lacks love and charity, then something's off right we got to check ourselves. so that's the thing at the heart of the gospel is love and charity even jesus as he spoke truth and didn't skirt around the truth there was love and charity for the person you know 
and that's important that we do that. You know, uh, when we point to the truth, we let the truth speak for itself, right? Like that's the beauty of the church. It's like here it is. Now let me let me love and encourage you in that process. You know, of discovering that for yourself as well. You know, so you know, I think you know with with uh, Jerome, like he would mainly go after like heresy. You know, like people who were adamantly speaking against the truth of Christ, and that you know that's a different art of evangelization. Like that's like saying, you know, no, mm. you know, that's not true. You know, and so we can do that very sternly, but also uphold the dignity of the person. Question number three. So I think most Catholics have settled into hearing Scripture at Mass, and that's kind of our main experience of it. But how often would you suggest we actually take the Bible and and pray with it like you described with Lexio Divina? I mean, what kind of regularity makes sense for us? Well, you you got to look at the rhythm of your life. I mean, I would encourage folks to try to have, you know, a regular prayer time daily, you know, and to incorporate you know, scripture into that prayer time. And, you know, maybe, you know, like right now, specifically for me, like I'm in a season, like I'll read the gospel reading, but what I'm meditating on is actually a spiritual book written by um, Father Jacques Philippe. So I'm actually using that book as sort of the, the, my meditation time, like to, to really sit with the words that, that he's talking about in that book. So, but when I'm done with that book, you know, I'll probably dive back into some of the gospel reading, you know, so, but scripture should be, you know, incorporated, you know, seasonally or every day, however it works in your, in your own prayer life. All right. Question number four. Um, a lot of us don't like to read and we prefer audio things. So, you know, they have like these, um, audio Bibles or podcasts where they read the scriptures and things like that. And, and, and they can be popular. Um, obviously, there's value to that, but is is would you find that there's a specific value to literally reading written words uh, versus just hearing the Bible proclaimed, or even like on an audio book or something like that? Yeah, I'm a very visual person, you know, so I I can't I don't do audio books either, but some people do, and so I can't like say it doesn't work, but I would say like if you're audio, you know, listening to the Bible or the gospel reading that. Maybe at the same time have a journal where you're writing a word down that speaks out, and you re-listen to it, re-listen to it. So you can do Lexio with the audio, but I think having something visual to really pray with, maybe an image or write down the word, and 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 then begin to pray with that. Because if it's just audio, then it, it kind of gets lost in space, right? It, there's nothing to visibly focus on. This is why for us as Catholics, the sacraments, they're real tangible things. This is why we have sacramentals, a rosary, a crucifix, the things that point us and orient us in our prayer to kind of help us to focus. The, the paintings, statues, those are like beautiful things that, you know, so the word is the same. Like it, it's a visual thing that points us towards, you know, the Lord. Question number five. So let's say we've just not done a good job of this as a family. Like maybe I'm a mom, maybe I'm a dad, and, you know, Scripture has not been a real part of our life. What are some ways for those that are, are new to this um, to begin to make Scripture a part of home life, and particularly with, with kids and, and spouses? Yeah, I think younger family, you know, read the gospel for Sunday, maybe incorporate it once a week or whatever. As your kids get older, I think encouraging them, obviously, to have their own Bible and own prayer time and, and incorporate Scripture and Bible in their own prayer time. And so 
like helping your kids to have their own active prayer time in their own life as they, you know, as they, as they grow and become, you know, these little people and adults, you know, so to see that kind of take off is really beautiful and, and to help them understand how to do that is really, really cool and important. I love that. So question number six, how do, how do we find out more about Lexio Divina? Like how do we, um, sit with it and, and start to do it right? What would you suggest to someone who's never done it before? And maybe after this, this, uh, episode they're they're all in, they're like, all right, Paul, I'll do it. So what's, what's a good next step? Yeah, there's some great resources. You know, the USCCB has Lexio uh, Divina of the Gospels for 2022 coming out. You can get that on, hmm. on their website. Um, you know, if you search Lexio Divina, um, you know, Catholic, there's a ton of books or resources or different things. Like the thing that we just went through, you know, it's it's simple um, overview of Lexio Divina. Uh, Lexio spells L-E-C-T-I-O, uh, you know, so you can, you know, look it up. It's pretty easy. All right. So that's it. That's the six-pack of questions. Man, we went from throwing sauce to all sorts of stuff. Throwing the Word of God. It's always an interesting show with you, man. Always. I mean, you already started a fire. I can't even deal with you. But we'll see who has the first gumbo. That's who... That's where we're, that's going to be the. Sounds bet. like it's going to be me. Who's going to fold first? Me, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you're waiting until after the first freeze. That's no, but I'm not wild. saying I'm going to win the argument in my own house. <laughs> oh, I see. You see, what I'm saying like we're having this <laughs> argument in my own house. Somebody, probably my wife's going to win that argument. Paula wants some gumbo. She's going to get the gumbo before. Give me right? some gumbo. So, anyway. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Feel free to share it on the podcast. And uh, thanks to KLFT Radio uh, and everyone here. Appreciate you, and we'll be back next week. God bless you.